Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to our new class series called This Then Is How You Should Pray. And that, of course, is taken from Matthew chapter 6 and what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to be focusing on the Lord's Prayer for four classes, two in August and two in September, one verse at a time, pretty much. And I hope that this will be a great benefit and blessing to our prayer life, and not just our prayer life specifically, but our relationship with God, because that's the whole point of prayer, is it's part of, such a significant part of our relationship with God. And we're living in very interesting times, as we all know. Maybe prayer is more important now than ever. So let's see what we can learn from this new series. I hope you enjoy it. I'm really looking forward to not only teaching you, but also hearing your feedback and having some other people share in these four classes. Now, let's do a bit of background before we get into the detail of the first verse we'll be looking at, which is this, that there's a couple of structures we could look at for the Lord's Prayer as a whole. Perhaps we should just refresh our memory on what the Lord's Prayer says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's another version of the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at the one in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 down to verse 13. So that's the prayer. Now, some people look at it as being too uh, an opening address, our Father in heaven, that's the opening address to, to our Father. And then three clauses about God and about his worship. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And then a second section with three, if you like, petitions for our own needs. Give us today the, give us today the bread we need for today. Not, about, not worried about tomorrow. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are, are our debtors. And don't bring us into a time of testing and protect us from the evil ones. So there's, there's one way of looking at it. And another way is to look at it, perhaps slightly more simply, as the first section being about God's glory and the second being about our needs. The first bit is God's glory, God's rule, God's will. And the second part is our needs, the daily provision we need the forgiveness for others and us and our protection. But I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing a pattern. I think that's the point of the prayer. It's a pattern. It's not meant to be something necessarily that we say word for word exactly, uh, but we'll come back to that point in just a moment. Are there some Hebrew precedents for a prayer like this? Certainly there are. Here is a, an example of a synagogue prayer used at the time when Jesus was alive. Let me quote it for you. It says this, Exalted and hallowed be his great name in the world which he created according to his will. May he let his kingdom rule in your lifetime and in your days and in the lifetime of the whole house of Israel speedily and soon. Praised be his great name from eternity to eternity and to this say, Amen. So you can see some similar themes there. By the way, I'm going to put all of this into the handout so you can look at it in more detail if you like. So we do have a little, some similarities, but you'll also see some significant differences, which we'll get into as we get into the text in just a moment. 
Now, what about the setting of the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew chapter 6? It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And you'll see, and I'd really advise you to do this, we don't have time in these classes, which I'm trying to keep short. Uh, you'll see in the context a lot of instruction about prayer, about fasting, about the inner and outer life of a follower of Jesus, that it is to be different from who? Well, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, just before the prayer says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And you'll see earlier in, the, in Matthew chapter 6, do not, do not, do not. You'll see it other parts of the Sermon on the Mount as well. And so what Jesus is saying here is don't be like them. In other words, don't be like the hypocrites or perhaps don't be like the religionists. Don't be like those who like to make a show of their religiosity rather than deal with having a meaningful relationship with God, letting God shape them and their hearts, refine them and be loyal, pure, loyal followers of, of Yahweh and of, in this case, Jesus as a disciple. So this is Jesus instructing his disciples, not so much the exact words to say, but more about the right spirit with which to pray, the right themes to pray about. In other words, when he says in verse 9, this then is how you should pray, we should take note that he does not say this is what you should pray or these are the exact words you should use. In fact, I'm sure Jesus would be dead against the idea of having a, uh, a set form of words that become meaningless and empty when the heart isn't there. That's not to say it's wrong to recite the prayer as such. It's not, we can't say it would be unspiritual to recite it or to pray through it word for word, but more that we need to understand the point of the prayer to to let it nourish our spirit and help us to grow. And the point of the prayer is not the form of words, is not the exact wording or the shape of the prayer poem. The point of the prayer is to instruct us in the, within, with the right spirit and the right areas of focus with which to pray. So that having been said, let's dig into the specifics of this first verse. Our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's take those a, a section by section or word by word almost. First of all, our Father. The word here is in the plural. It's not my Father. It's our Father. And the plural is used throughout in the prayer, as I'm sure you've noticed. Our Father, uh, give us today our daily bread, our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. So it's a corporate prayer, it's a collective prayer, it's a congregational prayer with perhaps our household, our family group, our church congregation, but also I would say in fellowship with all those who love God and have worshipped God and do worship God and perhaps even will worship God. We might say that we're praying this together with all those who've ever prayed it. And in that sense, we're always praying collectively. Even when we're praying personally, there's some element where there's a collective nature because we're praying the certain kinds of themes and prayers that people have prayed for millennia and perhaps might still pray for millennia in the future, depending on how long it is between now and when God comes and, brings, and Jesus comes back. So it's meant to be a pattern for, or an inspiration rather, for group prayer, not just individual prayer. And then Father, our Father. The concept of God, Yahweh, as Father was not unheard of in Judaism before this time, but it was very rare to address God as Father. 
Jesus does it all the time. You'll notice as you go through the Gospels, and in fact, I would suggest you might like to do your own personal Bible study by getting some Bible software and putting in the word Father or Fathers into uh, uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and looking at how often Jesus uses the word Father and the context. What is he saying to the Father? What's the Father saying to him? What's happening around when Jesus is addressing God as Father? I think you might find that a very fruitful Bible study. We haven't got time to do that in this class. I will put some references in the show notes, in the handout. So Jesus does this all the time. In other words, it's meant to show us that we are meant to address God as Father. It's meant to be the normative address for us with God when we're praying. Jesus is revealing that he wants the same relationship that he has with the Father to be your experience and mine. Now, of course, that depends or the significance of that or the helpfulness of that depends on how well we understand what it means that God is our Father. And that's something I'd like to also encourage us to do. If we're going to grow in our prayer life, one of the things that's going to help us the most is having a really good understanding of who God is as our Father. And if you've never done a Bible study on this, then search the New Testament for references for God to God as Father and do a good, long, in-depth Bible study on who God is as Father to those who love Him. And I think that will not only um, help us spiritually in many ways, but it will enrich our prayer ties as we then know who we're praying to. We don't have time to deal with that now, but I will just quote one verse, John 20 verse 17 from the message version. Jesus says, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Do you see that? My Father and your Father. The same kind of relationship that Jesus has with the Father is the relationship that we have. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's enough on its own for this whole prayer series. Our Father. Wonderful, wonderful. So we'll, um, I'll put some other references and scriptures in the show notes. In heaven, okay, our Father in heaven. More accurately, the heavenlies, because it's a plural word, indicating all the heavenly realms. In other words, an existence beyond ours, at least at this point. And what I think Jesus is doing here is he put it, he's putting together the familiar with worship. Father is the intimate, personal familiar and then the heavenlies, oh, that's another side of God. He's intimate, he's my father, but he's also God of the heavenlies. And it's helpful to us to blend together in our prayer life uh, the transcendent and the intimate. In other words, the intimate part of our relationship with God, our father, and talk to God as father, talk to God on a personal level, a heart level, an intimate level, a deep level, uh, expressing ourselves, our doubts and our fears and our joys, everything that's going on, that's a good thing. But also a healthy prayer life is blended together with that is the transcendent, which is about reflecting on the, the amazing nature of who God is in his omnipotence, his omniscience, um, his omnipresence, his purity, his holiness, his glory, his truth, his ultimate being of love, his, all of these amazing qualities of what you might call the almighty, that help us to recognize who he is in that sense, 
and then put that together with how wonderful it is that he's willing to be and wants to be intimately, closely connected to and in relationship with you and me. A mind-boggling idea, one to continue to grow in for the rest of the Christian life. And so a lot of prayer times are healthiest when they combine both. Not to say every prayer time should, Sometimes our prayer times will focus more on the personal. Sometimes they'll focus more on the transcendent nature of God. I don't think it matters exactly uh, on, a, in an, in, on a particular prayer time. But our prayer time should be, prayer times through the Christian life should be balanced with both of these. Our Father in the heavenlies. Okay, putting these two things together. Jesus showed us these two things and these instructions for a reason. Our Father in the heavenlies. Let's blend those two things together. Then hallowed be your name. Hallowed. The word meaning to make holy, to treat as holy, to reverence, to sanctify, to consider holy. Let me quote to you from Carson's book on the Sermon on the Mount about this phrase here. He said this, although it is a prayer that God's name be hallowed, and therefore presumably a request that God will hallow his own name, it is nevertheless a prayer which, when answered, means that we will hallow God's name. In other words, Christ's followers are asking their Heavenly Father to act in such a way that they and an increasing number of others will reverence God, glorify him, consider him holy, and acknowledge him. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, holy be your name, respected be, well, respected be your name, what we're saying there is we want that to happen, but surely as we want that to happen, we want God's name to be glorified in all the earth, all the people will know God and his glory. Even as we pray that, we're really sort of praying it in the mirror, asking God to help us to be strengthened to live in such a way that that will be more likely to happen that then God will get the glory through our lives. In fact, I was reflecting on this in my prayer time this morning and asking God that today, that what I do and what I say will not compromise how hallowed he is, how glorified he deserves to be. And that my conduct today and the words and my, the deeds of my day, that that will be more likely to bring him more glory and reveal his glory to the world. That's, I think, the point of that part of the prayer, hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Be your name. The name of the Lord, the significance of this. Well, we could talk about this for a couple of hours, but just for a couple of minutes for the moment. So this is the name, the name of the Lord. God, that's God himself as revealed to humankind. It's who he's revealing himself to be to humankind. That's his name and this idea of a Hebrew sense of a name. Revealing who you are is what is meant by this. And so this is how, how much of the way in which God has revealed himself or what he has revealed about himself to humankind is what we want the world to see. All of who he is. It's not a name like Malcolm. It's, it's what and who he is, everything about him. I'm going to give you a quote here from the, uh, one of the Bible dictionaries I used. The name of the Lord embodies the power of the Lord. His people find safety in that name. And I'm going to put some Bible references in the show notes. The name of the Lord is to be praised, called upon, exalted, trusted, or feared. To speak in the name of the Lord is to speak with his authority. So our prayer, when we pray this, 
the hallowed be your name. Our prayer is that God will be known for his glory and the transformation of the world. And that naturally leads on to your kingdom come, your will be done. But that's for next time. So that's what we're dealing with here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, I mean, so much in that first phrase. So I'm going to conclude the class here. I'm trying to do these as shorter classes so there's more time for discussion. My question to you today, looking at this, is what stands out to you from this one verse? Maybe not the whole prayer yet. We'll get there step by step. But today, what stands out to you from this one verse? And another question could be this. How might your prayer life grow because of what this verse teaches you about God, yourself, and prayer? How might your prayer life grow because of what this verse teaches you about God, yourself, and prayer? So those are some questions, some thoughts for discussion in our family groups. I have a suggestion, if you want to take me up on this, I suggest that you pray this phrase every day between now and the next class, which is two weeks from now. Why not pray? You can pray the whole prayer if you like, but why not pray prayer verse one every day? Pray it slowly, pray it meditatively, pray it and think about what else, pray it and as you pray it, think about what else it means or other parts of scripture that you think it connects with. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want to pray that every day for two weeks and see what God's Spirit reveals to you. Uh, might be really interesting and I'd like to know what you discover. Last thing, uh, volunteers. The next three classes, I would love to have some sharing from the members of Thames Valley or whoever watches these as to how these verses are beneficial to your prayer life. That's not only the one we looked at today, but verse 10, 11, 12, and 13. As you pray through these, what does it mean to you? What does it mean when you pray your kingdom come to you? What does it mean to you to ask for your daily bread? What does it mean to you to for, for God to forgive your debts or to lead you not into temptation? I would love to know. I'm happy to do, I'm going to be doing this teaching, but I want to incorporate other voices because we learn better when we're learning from each other. So if you have something to share, please let me know. The best thing, if you wouldn't mind doing so, is to get your phone and open up a video app on it and just record yourself. I'm not talking about you teaching a class, I'm more talking about personal sharing. So maybe one minute, two minutes, three minutes tops, but let even, even 30 seconds would be great. Just saying, this verse means this to me because. And send it to me. Uh, you can email me, malcolm at malcolmcox.org, or you could leave me a note on Facebook, or, you know, plenty of ways you can get hold of me. And I'd like to incorporate those. I'll edit them and add them into future classes. I think it'd be great to hear from one another as well. So that's the idea. And if you've got any questions about prayer or about the Lord's Prayer, send them to me and I'll do my best to answer them in the next three classes that are coming up. So that's all I have to share today. But I'm, I'm just, my goodness, isn't this a wonderful beginning to the way of prayer that Jesus has shown us? This then is how you should pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray that God will teach us what he wants to teach us and that his spirit will speak to our spirit and help us to grow closer to him through this learning about the power of prayer. Take care and God bless.